This is Triple H 100.1 FM with Ian Stewart. Good afternoon and welcome again to Rotary Matters. Now, other than climate change, the greatest concern for people all over the world right now has to be COVID-19. And while we may be a bit closer to a vaccine, the reality is that the virus remains rampant in many parts of the world, including countries hard hit by natural disaster. And I'm talking here about places like the Philippines, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Cameroon, Syria, Tanzania, India, Vanuatu and Burkina Faso. Places where emergency relief is scarce and hard to supply, and even harder where overcrowding makes social distancing very difficult, where people are crowded into tents and access is compromised. Now Shelterbox is an international disaster relief organisation that provides emergency shelter to communities following a disaster. And this is a service started by Rotary. This has been going for the last 20 years. Shelter boxes and shelter kits include items like tents, mosquito nets, cooking equipment, sleeping mats, solar lights, water filters, food and basic tools to help families recover. Now this list of course has had to be modified in response to COVID and now includes hygiene packs, hand washing facilities and personal protective equipment to keep recipients and the helpers safe and healthy. Having said that, it is still not easy to support families in camps which are congested and overcrowded and where families have to prepare their own individual food without resorting to a crowded food distribution centre. Covid has made the work of Shelterbox more urgent than ever. It's estimated that the virus will infect up to 640 million people and will kill 1.67 million in the world's most vulnerable communities. Now, refugees are at particular risk due to their population density in refugee camps. For example, the population in the Rohingya camps in Bangladesh is 40,000 people per square kilometre. It's a horrifying prospect. So today on Rotary Matters, we're going to be meeting Peter Beyer, an ambassador for Shelterbox, which she has been for the past seven years. She also became a member of the response team, which went out to Africa in 2015 and was deployed to Haiti in 2017. Peter is also a remarkable and dedicated fundraiser for Shelterbox, taking part in some gruelling long distance walks, which we'll hear about a little later on. So stay tuned. If you just joined us, this is Ian Stewart you're on Triple H 100.1 FM and the programme is Rotary Matters. Now, in case you haven't heard us before, the idea of the programme is to bring you an interview to explain and provide insight into a specific Rotary cause or project. Rotary impacts many lives locally and around the world. So each week on the programme we might be hearing from an Australian organising free eye health clinics in India or an Australian building a school in Nepal. Closer to home, we might be looking at Rotarians who are funding insulin pumps for disadvantaged children, hosting an overseas student, removing graffiti, or in running a shelter for women who have suffered domestic violence. So let me give you a quick update on what Rotary is. Around the world, um, there are 1.2 million members and 36,000 Rotary clubs in 220 countries, and it's been going for 110 years. Here in Australia, we've got 25,000 Rotarians and 1,100 clubs. Now, most Rotary clubs meet once a week, either in person or more recently they've been doing this virtually or in a hybrid form, and they devote their time to making the world a better place through a range of very worthy community service projects. So you're going to find Rotarians fighting diseases like polio and malaria 
providing clean water, sanitation and hygiene, as we'll be talking about today in the programme about Shelterbox. They're concerned about saving mothers and children. They want to support education, to grow local economies, to promote peace and to support the environment. As I said a few moments ago, we're talking today with Peter Bayer, a remarkable Rotarian, about the work of Shelterbox and the impact of COVID-19 on this essential humanitarian work. And I spoke with Peter by Zoom. So welcome, Peter Bayer. Lovely to talk with you this afternoon and to learn a little bit about Shelterbox and how it's evolved and adapted to current circumstances. Thanks. Peter, um, tell us first, if you would, a bit of the background to Shelterbox who don't know what it is and how it first conceived and what it se seeks to do. Yes, for sure, Ian, and thanks so much for having me. Uh, well, it started back a, as a, um, a 2000 uh, initiative from the Rotary Club at Helston, which is in the southern part of Cornwall, and they came up with this clever idea about a shelter box with all items in it that uh, could, could be useful in, in a disaster. And it began to grow. And then in 2004, when there was the, uh, the, the tsunami, it just exponentially took off and the, the need was enormous. And, and around soon after that time, shelter box became its, its own sort of charity. Uh, and through all, all of these, all of this time, 20 years that Shelterbox has been going, Rotary has been an integral part and support um, assisting Shelterbox all around the world, from fundraising to uh, raising awareness to uh, quite often on the ground where these disasters might occur, we can liaise uh, with with Rotary people as well as other agencies. So. Uh, Rotary is, is, an, is a very generous, um, very generous donations all around the world and from Australia. So typically what would be found within a, a, a traditionally within a shelter box? So traditionally uh, you would have a, um, a bespoke tent, um, you would have a cooking set, blankets, you would have a water filter, uh, often some items for children, uh, colouring in pencils and things like that, books for them to, to draw in. Or, 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 and and if, if it's a cold area, you might have some warmer blankets. Uh, you have mosquito nets if it's going into a tropical area. What we have done over these 20 years is we very much uh, have tailored now our aid to the need. So uh, within, within the boxes, uh, it's very much tailored to that particular disaster. But even more so, Ian, what we, what we do now is uh, we will often send, uh, well, it used to be via aeroplane or shipping. Um, it's, it's much better use of our um, money, of our donations, to send the box empty, boxes empty, sort of hundreds of them, and then packed beside that all different items that can go in those boxes as needed to be distributed in different areas. So it's very much, you know, you might have a cyclone in Haiti and one part of the island might need um, a lot of water purifiers, they might need a lot of blankets, um, as well as some shelter kits, which I'll describe in a minute. And another area might need uh, some different items. So, so typically, where would the, the box and its components actually come from? in order to get to Haiti or to the Philippines or wherever it may be? So all, all around the world, uh, we have various places. I think there's about 20 odd of them where there's warehouses where there are shelter boxes um, and now shelter kits placed. So for example, uh, we, we've 
um, actually deployed to, um, to the Philippines. I think it's now something like 27 times to the point that this is the, we actually have an office in Manila now. Mm -hmm. uh, Philippines sadly is right on that sort of climactic equatorial zone where they just get hit with, you know, cyclones and volcano eruptions, etc. So for example, in Manila, we've got a large warehouse and a lot of goods are stored there. Uh, we've got some in um, Melbourne as well. So it's, but all, all through the United States, parts of um, South America, certainly through Europe and Africa, there are different key capital cities. So it's a, a quicker um, deployment of that equipment. It doesn't all have to come straight away from Cornwall, where the right. headquarters is in Truro. Okay, you mentioned a moment ago, Peter Beyer, um, shelter kit. What exactly is that as compared with a shelter box? Now, this is an important message to, to convey to our Rotarians and to our community uh, that shelter kits are probably, to a large degree, maybe 70% of what we do now. In a shelter kit, usually you've got two large tarps, you've got, um, you've got tools, things like hoes and hammers, uh, you've got um, the makings of uh, ropes, sorry, you've got ropes, fixings, um, shovel, etc. So you've got all of those items and then um, depending on the need, so for example, we might also include um, as well some corrugated iron for roofing. Uh, we might even include some room dividers and mattresses. So if people have been sent to say large warehouses, that's the only sort of accommodation available, then uh, there's room dividers and mattresses so each family can have a degree of privacy. So this is quite a, um, a newish initiative in the last few years where we really look at point of need and if tents aren't needed, then sh shelter kits are, they're very flexible. And what you find in many of these places where we, um, we distribute equipment, the people are very resourceful, they're very flexible and if they can, they'd like to stay where their home was. There might be some bit of a structure left after the disaster so they can make walls or they can make a roof. Um, we have sort of training groups that go out to help them understand how to use the kit. And so we find that a shelter kit is a way, if you like, to a future, if they can get some timber, maybe later on they might get a little bit of cement, they can make that structure a home. Whereas when you've got a tent, it's fantastic and it's warm and it's um, safe and it's providing dignity. However, there's nowhere else to go from that tent, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, so shelter kits, are, they're, uh, they're much cheaper than a tent. Um, I think uh, usually a, an actual tent is around $500, whereas a shelter kit is about $100. And it just gives that flexibility for, for a, um, a warm, safe, secure structure to the family. So do you have Rotarians in place in the disaster areas who would advise you on what exactly is needed within the shelter kits? I mean, is it rotary to rotary at, a, at, a, um, uh, at the ground level? Uh, so Rotarians, uh, so for example, I know in, in the Philippines, there's various uh, rotary groups in that country. Uh, and they're more uh, for uh, fantastic advice they might, because we're needing to often hire truck, truck drivers, trucks, um, 
uh, maybe some kind of uh, boats to, to move our equipment to wherever it's needed. And we are very quick and flexible with that. So Rotarians are more for advice uh, there might be a little bit of muscle work here and there, but generally um, what, what Shoulder Box does is make sure it liaises with local agencies. So um, that there'll be various sort of uh, charity groups that might be Red Cross, all, all, all sorts of many agencies around the world who are working on the ground with those communities. And we liaise with those agencies. We work, we assess need. Uh, we don't ever just march in and say, okay, we're gonna distribute 200 shoulder kits to that town over there. There's always careful assessments made, liaising with these local agencies. Rotary, the, the Rotary people might be helping and then, uh, then the equipment is distributed. So I guess Rotarians, as a general comment, um, uh, can be guidance. They might um, might even offer some hospitality um, advice, and as well, shelter boxes liaising very much with those local agencies that are working with people on the ground in these disasters. My name's Ian Stewart. This is Rotary Matters, a program designed to put the spotlight onto the world of Rotary and onto some of their projects and activities. I spoke with Peter Bayer about her work with Shelterbox and also how they managed to raise funds in these difficult times. Now, Peter, how's things going this year, 2020? We've had the pandemic. Um, this must have had a big impact, not only on your ability to fundraise, and we'll come to that later, but also in the implementation of Shelterbox shelter kits and the broad spectrum aid that is provided through your organisation. Um, what impact has COVID had and, and how are you adapting to this? Oh, it's, it's, as you would imagine, it's uh, had a massive effect, uh, Ian. And of course, these people are already um, the most vulnerable anyway in, in the world. Uh, so there's three essential components to, to limit this global, global spread of COVID, and that's healthcare, hygiene and shelter. So we're, we're very much um, specific things that we're trying to do. We, we can't actually send our shelter box response team members to these places where the disaster is occurring. A, because there's not flights. B, because there's bottlenecks of supply chains, etc. Extreme difficulties getting into these countries where disasters are happening, like Ethiopia and so on. So. We are, we are liaising very strongly with agencies around the world and I'll talk about some of the disasters in a moment. So for example, what we are really very much doing is um, enabling social distancing with emergency shelter. So an important message is our tents and the shelter items. They're helping get the families out of those crowded collective centres and into more private spaces so they can limit their exposure to the, to the virus. Um, you know, they can have some dignity and, and quietness with their family. Um, they can have the cooking kit, so they can be using that cooking kit just for their family rather than going to the, to the general um, community, you know, the, the, the centre where everybody else is. Shelterbox has already also adapted our deployment methods. So we're distributing to smaller groups now and we're encouraging the social distancing and where possible using the personal protective equipment. So, um, you know, no, no large groups anymore and we have the social distancing. In our packages now, we've also got access to uh, good hygiene. So we've got 
um, soap and hand washing basins and raising general awareness about good hygiene practices. And then of course you've got, we've got our cooking equipment, we've got sleeping mats, we've got water filters, and they're all helping families to stay healthy and to reduce the spread of infection. So, uh, you know, the, the, these kinds of, this is where the, the tents are, are becoming very useful this year because it helps keep the, the families private and safe when they're in a big um, communal um, situation. Look, I mean, it's hard enough for us in the developed world to socially distance and to um, keep ourselves safe. It must be extraordinarily hard in some of the parts of the world uh, where you're providing your services. I commend and congratulate you for your um, intervention and the work that you're doing um, in those parts of the world. Peter, um, Shelterbox is um, a not-for-profit charitable organisation. Fundraising thoughts, have you got anything coming up in the near future? Uh, we do. We, uh, we As you might appreciate, Ian, this, this year's been a a very a very quiet year for, for fundraising. Um, our donations are very much down. So there's, if people would like to go to our website, uh, we've got many ideas there, which I'll talk about in a moment. So one big thing that we're doing is on December 10th, uh, we've actually got a big digital fundraiser. Our um, CEO, Mike Greenslade, he has recently contacted all Rotary Clubs that have donated over $2,000 in the last financial year to see if they'd like to become part of a Shelterbox Giving Day. That's on December 10, and it's a matched funder. So what we're hoping is that Rotary Club, uh, their annual allocations to Shelterbox might be able to be allocated on our Giving Day, December 10, to help reach our target of $100,000. And all the clubs that become matched funders will be featured on the Giving Day website. We'll actually have a specific website that day um, as they'll be featured as sponsor clubs. They'll be thanked on the day via social media and formally thanked on our website at the end of the campaign. We're very keen to ask all clubs to either become a matched funder before the event or donate whatever they can on the day. So for example, they might say, look, if someone donates $100, we'll match that. If someone donates $1,000, we'll match that. You mean that the club would match that donation? If an individual yeah. put in 100, the club will, will put in 100? Uh, well, either way, the club wants to do it. There might be, the clubs might decide, okay, for the $1,000 donated, we will, we will match that. There may also be individual Rotary members who might commit to okay x amount is raised i'll match that right okay and that that can be um organized prior to december 10. the other area is clubs might choose to host an event on that december 10th which is also world human rights day so for example even something simple where there's a potluck lunch where the money that might have been spent on lunch could be donated to shelter box there might be a, a particular note denomination donation to Shelterbox. We also have a Shine for Shelterbox event which is on our website where people have a dinner party and have candles and whatever money is raised at that dinner party from the guests and, their, and the people, their community goes towards Shelterbox. And if a donation can't be made, what we'd love to ask you is to mobilise all Rotary Clubs to promote the Giving Day beforehand and on December 10, 
um, the more people shouting out about it online, the, the bigger chance we've got of reaching our target. So that we're, we're really hoping that that will be a, you know, a, a really great day where people, um, Rotarians around the country and other community members will, will get involved. So Peter, you're an ambassador for Shelterbox. Um, last yes. year you took part in a fundraising trek across the cent central Australia. Uh, the Larapinta yeah. Trail or the Larapinta Track. How did that go? Uh, how many of you were there and, and how tough was it? Oh, look, it was it was marvellous, Ian, and this is a, um, a, has become quite a popular form of, of fundraising. So on our particular one, there were 17 of us from, I think the ages went from 78 to uh, mid-20s, a very eclectic group. Uh, my sister and I went, uh, there was a, a mum and dad and their adult son went from Adelaide, real variety of people. We all um, ideally had to raise, I think the amount was $3,000 prior to going and obviously do some training. Lara Pinger is in the West McDonald Ranges um, outside Alice Springs and it's spectacular, you know, grand country, you know, um, very rocky. You're walking along sort of high, high ridge lines and beautiful gorges, we did a bit of swimming as well. Uh, the actual walk walk itself would be 240k, but we did probably 80 kilometres of it over five days. And it was just amazing to be in that country. We had fantastic uh, guide and, and uh, bus driver. We were camping out there. Uh, we'd come back to our campsite each evening. Um, and it was great to be, you know, we'd all done our fundraising, so we were kind of united by that. The fundraising was quite challenging, uh, more challenging than I anticipated. And uh, I tried, all, I did all sorts of things. I had a, a cinema, a Voca Beach cinema fundraiser with um, friends and community members. I worked part-time at a local Catholic school, St. Peter's, and they had a gold coin donation. And I've got to say the, the students and the teachers and staff were so generous. Uh, local choir, I mean, uh, you know, we had a, you know, that they brought in clothes that, that could be sold to each other and any profits went to shelter box. So somehow <laughs> I ended up getting past the $3,000, but um, it was a fantastic experience. And now shelter box Australia is doing that regularly. Next year, they've got a walk uh, in Tasmania, I think around March. And then they've also got actually a, a kind of a fun run out there near Alice Springs. Um, so if people want details, Peter, of the those events, the walk in Tasmania and the fun run in Alice, is that up on the um, Shelterbox website, you know? It is, yeah. Tasmania is in March 2021. That's in the Cradle Mountain, the, the Tasmania Wilderness World Heritage Area. Mm -hmm. And then there's an Outback Marathon Challenge in July 2021 um, out around Uluru and Kadachuta National Park. Um, Look, I mean, the, the, the whole shelter box thing is um, a, a wonderful gesture. It's made a big difference to the lives of many people who would have been in very great distress without it. But I'm also hearing that you're very creative in the way that you draw people's attention to the work that you're doing in a very selfless way. Um, and the, the ways that you're raising money uh, to support the initiative are extremely creative um, and oh, I, wish, I, I wish you every success and listeners if you didn't catch that um, Peter just give us one more time the website address for Shelterbox 
through which they can find links to make a donation or to take part in the Tasmanian March or the um, fun run in Alice next year? July, yes, for sure. Uh, and just to reinforce what you're saying, thank you for your generous words. In the 20 years we've been going, we've supported more than <clears throat> 1.5 million people. Um, and that's across, uh, I think it's 97 different countries. So it's wow. been, you know, in places as diverse as Cameroon to Haiti to Malawi to mm -hmm. um, Tonga, very places all around the world. And the address is very simple. It's just www.shelterboxaustralia, all one word, .org.au. Okay, shelterboxaustralia.org.au. Okay, well, look, Peter, good luck to you. It's a terrific story. I congratulate you. You're a wonderful, you. wonderful ambassador for Shelterbox. A shout out to, to all your listeners here, Rotarians and other community members. Um, I'm always very happy to come and talk to your group uh, or, or to give you fundraising ideas. You know, just come to our website and contact that there and they, they will then get through to me as well. Thank you very much indeed, Peter. I'll let you go. Much obliged. Lovely to talk Thanks with you. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Look, I hope you've been inspired by some of our Rotary stories. And if you'd like to get involved, as I say, check out your local Rotary Club. Good way to uh, make a contribution, use your own professional skills, uh, make some great friends along the way. And you'll find that at uh, all Rotary activities, there are some important values that are, are, that are upheld. Uh, they ask themselves, and this is good stuff, this, is it the truth? Is what we're doing fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and friendships? And will it be beneficial to all concerned? Not a bad set of values to apply in the rest of our life as well. So next week on Rotary Matters, we're going to be meeting Jan Pryor from the Rotary Club of North Lakes and Tookley to learn about the work of the Didi Foundation, a charity based up in Nepal, which empowers women to be financially independent. It's a big story, it's a great story, and another good example of Rotarians putting service above self. So, please stay tuned on a Friday at 3 o'clock for your ongoing dose of good stories about the work, the causes, the projects, and the people who make up Rotary. My name is Ian Stewart, it's been a great pleasure to be with you today, um, and I look forward to talking with you again next Friday at 3 o'clock. Bye for now.